Hi, Kristen here. Thanks for coming back for this one. I feel like it's bound to be a doozy, so I appreciate the support. When I set out to delve into my deep curiosities around love and sex and partnership, the last people that I considered having a conversation with was my parents. In fact, my impulse has been to keep them as compartmentalized from my love life as is humanly possible. But now that we're here, it does kind of make some sort of strange sense. After all, the synaptic patterns in our brains that make us fall in love with the people that we do and the patterns of how we behave as partners, it's all hardwired into this unconscious part of us through that very first relationship we enter, that one we have with our parents. My parents have been happily married for 36 years. To my interpretation, as parents, they were quintessential family-minded Midwesterners who gave everything they had to offer to their kids and, in return, had appropriately high expectations of us. I don't remember ever talking about sex or dating as a family. In my 20s, I never told them when I went on dates and they never asked. Obviously, they didn't even know I had had sex until I showed up pregnant. Even after getting through that, I still sit here now, and the thought of telling them that I'm even doing this podcast feels mortifying. My plan has always been to just sort of sort out my love life on my own and only involve them when I was sure that I was with the person I was going to marry. Because the thought of bringing in an outsider felt, it felt impossibly disruptive to our little clan. And I've only ever wanted to subject myself to their scrutiny if it's something that's really worth it. I know that their opinion of me has always held what my siblings would probably call undue weight in my mind. Maybe it's nothing more than first child syndrome and it's common, but I think I've always assumed that the person I decided to build a life with would be the kind of person that my parents would approve of. And by inverse logic, if my parents didn't approve of them, they wouldn't be the right person for me. (laughs) I know that sounds kind of crazy when I say it out loud, but that's only because you presume that you're hearing a woman of 34 saying that. Like everyone else, the little emotional being that lives inside of me is still six, and she is shaking in absolute horror at the thought that adult me is going rogue and going to go fall in love with someone who will force us to face their rejection. Or, uh, even more devastatingly, their disgust. This might be my most deeply rooted fear. The one that feels unbearable. So much so that the thought of facing it makes me feel instantly like I'm dissociating from my body or something. Like I'm just fleeing the scene. So when my sister makes a spontaneous visit from New York, I figure it's the perfect opportunity to ease into the subject matter. I'm your sister. I get her in the booth and I tell her that I'm thinking about talking to our parents. That I'm thinking about having this preemptive, scary conversation. And just asking them... What happens to our family if I fall in love with a woman? That low-grade dread of, okay, now I've met someone, and I love them. This is the person I want to be with, and so now I'm willing to risk upsetting the apple cart by bringing them home and introducing them to mom and dad. Yeah. It's such this kind of, like, background 
worry. And so on the theory that maybe, I don't know, there's just like some part of me that's so scared of that or so nervous about that, that I have a hard time even feeling relaxed and able to entertain partnership with someone, that I want to clear that. I want to have the preemptive, awkward, scary conversation Mm -hmm. so that I at least know what I'm working with. You know, I don't know. So that it like, I get to, I get to actually show up with mom and dad as opposed to feeling like I'm hiding that I, that I don't have it all figured out. I always Mm -hmm. only come to them once I've got stuff figured out and I don't have this figured out. The great thing about siblings is that they are a resource for checking memories and offering alternate perspectives on how childhood went down. My sister's the middle child, so sometimes our perspectives are radically different. But I could use a perspective that gets me out of my narrow lane of fear right now. Parents never had to deal with talking to me about dating because I never dated. I mean, you obviously have had conversations for years with them about boyfriends and I've had I I had a lot of boyfriends but I mean I kind of would do the thing where I didn't feel comfortable talking to them either and so I would wait as long as I humanly could until I had to broach the fact that I even had a boyfriend and then would try to be really nonchalant about it I've had relationships I just haven't had sex in the context of those relationships I haven't had but I think there's also the other component you haven't had is kind of like the public declaration of this is my person, right? So even if you had that private relationship, there's also a lot of added pressure and interesting dynamics that come about when you say this is my person that I've chosen and we're together and invite the world's feelings and judgments upon that. And so that's, and I mean, that's part of the reason I have to have the conversation with our parents. I feel so tired of feeling like they don't know me because of my own hiding. Yeah. At the mention of hiding, my sister brings up that platonic friendship that we've talked about the one that was more than a friendship. I think the hardest thing on everyone was just trying to guess and figure out what this was. I didn't know how to explain it. I, I literally us, didn't know what I to think tell you. At least at the very core, we wanted to figure out how to support you and define this so we could love you and support you. And it was difficult that we felt like we had to like guess that. So we then put our own interpretations on it, which right. didn't help anybody. Right. But it's because we had that lack of information. So I think if we can put it out there. Yeah it's going to leave a lot less room for the guessing and the surmising and the gossiping and all of that. Yeah. Like, did you guys talk about that at the time? Oh, yeah. I mean, they definitely thought something was going on there. But mom was very adamant when we would talk about it. I would say, like, I think they're in a relationship. And mom would be very adamant of, no, because they hug each other goodnight and then, then she leaves and then she goes back to her own place and they don't sleep over and they're not having... I'm like, I'm not saying they're having sex. That's not at all what I said. I just think they're in a relationship. She was so hung up on that thing that that's the way that she could tell herself no they're just good friends and they're supporting each other dad more kind of realized there was something there you're actually really making me think saying that whole thing about mom and like oh well as long as they're not sleeping together it doesn't count because that's kind of where my my confusion lies in a large in Mm. large part if there isn't sex does it count does anything count as, you know, actual romantic partnership if there's not the act of sex. And I, mean, I just there's had... plenty of married couples that have been together for 40 years I know. sleeping together. Now you're making me wonder, I like, is the seed of that in part from our upbringing? And I hadn't really even considered that. Did, did I ever tell you that, you know, because dad every three years asks, sits me down and is like, so, just checking in, like, do you ever think you're going to get married? Is that like... Really? Something? Yeah. It's just kind of become this thing where every few years we, he's like... Well, it's time for that conversation again, Um, which I actually really appreciate that he's like, I'm just going to check in and see kind of where your head's at because it's not something we ever talk about. 
And I was, you know, yeah, sex just isn't that interesting to me. So I haven't felt compelled to be in a relationship and blah, blah, blah. And he told me, yeah, he's like, you know, the, the so-and-so and so-and-so at church, like both of their husbands died and then they moved into a house together and they're taking care of each other in their old age. And, and it was the first time I was just like, oh, like that was the most like, I don't know, the most like understanding that he communicated, the, you know, the closest thing of reaching out in that way. I don't remember having a sex conversation with them. I, I We had it at the same time. Totally don't remember that. I was actually way too young, but mom wanted to get out of the way at once, so she had it with both of us at the same time. I was like decidedly too young. How old were we? Mm, gosh, I was, I mean, I was probably like something like nine and you were 11 or something. It was like what, what? super awkward. What you could tell it? she felt awkward and uncomfortable. We were like sitting in a living room of our old house and she just was like, we just gotta, we're just gonna get this out of the way. And it was very like, Boys have a penis, women have a vagina, don't ever let a penis near your vagina was kind of the thing. And then there was probably something about when you go to sleepovers, don't let the dads near you or something. And that was the extent of the sex conversation. So it wasn't real informative. It was more like, I think it was probably because you were going through sex ed at school. And so she felt like she had to then address it. So that must have been fifth grade then. Yeah. So I think you were around like 11. Yeah. And I was around nine then. I totally do not remember that. Yeah, I mean, the first time I had sex, I, like, called mom for some reason and told her. Maybe because I was, like, in a spiteful mood. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to, like, shock her. <laughs> and her reaction was, like, well, did you enjoy it? And she really wanted me to enjoy it and was very concerned that I didn't. But, yeah, that's, that's the first time that she'd ever talked about sex in anything besides, like, a don't do it warning kind of way. Uh, well, because the cat was already out of the bag at that point. Right, right. So it was it was interesting. I've gone the direction where I just try to shock mom more than anything. So I'm very open with about like with her about things. Even more so now. Like I mean I I even mentioned recently that I had been with women and I think she You did? Oh yeah. She probably what? probably blocked it out, but Okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, I, I do feel like I need to remind you that this is on a podcast. <laughs> but, I'm not ashamed of okay, it. Okay, okay. So wait, how yeah. How how did that come up, and what did she say? They came out for uh, for a brother's play in New York, and so we had dinner after. So we were talking, and I guess you came up in the sense of the theoretical conversation. Will Kristen be coming out at some point? And I was like, Does it really matter? Don't you just want her to be happy? Wouldn't you rather her be someone like Dad? You say your biggest concern for all of your children is that we're lonely. Like, wouldn't you rather her be with someone than be lonely? And like, don't you think you'll just get over this as well and just be happy in the end that she's with someone? Their answer was not an unequivocal yes. Uh, their answer was, it's more complicated than that. Mom's like, how dare you even say that? Got really weird. And so then I think I kind of got my back up because I was so irritated with their response. And I was like, it's not. It's like, I mean, listen, like I've been with women. It didn't work out for me. But I even tried dating women and that didn't work out. So like, what do you, you know, it's not a big deal. And mom's like, don't say that. Um, and so I'm pretty sure she's blocked it out. It was more just like in the... Heat of the moment, but, um, Okay, yeah. so give me some insight. What came out of that conversation of you guys talking about, am I going to come out? Am I going to... They really don't, they don't gauge it. Like, they will not have that conversation. And so, really? which surprises me, like, they will shut it down. I just don't think that they emotionally know how to prepare for that. I think they still think we live in a world where it's just going to be so much harder for you. They can't really face that until they actually have to, and they're not willing yeah. to believe it until they actually have to. So do you think me pressing this question is just... I think that mom and dad 
have, and it's been proven in the past few years, have an ability to somehow deal with things that are completely out of their experience. And do they always do it in the way that we would? I think it'll just, it'll be similar to after your pregnancy, where for a while they thought that the world was falling and then within three months she'll be bragging to your friend her friends about like how great your new girlfriend is I mean I think at the end of the day they should know because it's been discussed enough and yet they won't let themselves know and so I think they'll still feel surprised even though Mm. somewhere they should see it coming I do know it's gonna suck yeah but I do believe they're gonna get over it like I do believe there will be a moment in the future whether it's three months whether it's three years there will be this moment of everything normalizes out again and acceptance and and not only acceptance but I don't know like familial engagement they're always gonna be in their life and they're never even gonna get to a point where if you were dating someone they're gonna say she can't come to Christmas or can't come on vacation that's never gonna be a thing I promise you will it be like will it be really hard for you after you tell them Yes, it's going to be really hard for them. It's going to be hard on your relationship and you're going to have to prepare for that. But I think for two reasons, it's good to do it earlier rather than when you're in partnership. Because like, first of all, if you're in partnership and tell them, then it becomes about that person and attaching feelings to that person and skewing their, their view of that person. Getting that out of the way now might mean that they're more open. They can go through those feelings in a more generic way and then be more open to the specific person that you bring in. And then I think you need to be able to date and really put yourself out there without feeling shame or without feeling like it's a secret. Checking that box and allowing yourself to then go pursue partnership freely in a way that you don't feel like you have to hide is probably the right thing. I think, you know, listen, as siblings, we've come to a point where we're so honest with each other and support each other, like that that's great. So no matter what, you're always going to have family that's going to fully support you and not even begrudgingly, but we already kind of know what's going on and are there for you. And so I think that's good. And then we can help them through it as well. And it'll be fine. It'll be fine. That's the takeaway I'm focusing on here. Talking to my sister does me good. A few weeks later, I actually end up picking my younger brother's brain as well, and he seems to come to pretty much the same conclusion. They shouldn't be surprised, but they will be. It's going to suck for an indeterminate amount of time, and then it won't. It's reassuring to have consensus among the rings. The first hurdle I have to get past is even telling my parents that I'm doing this podcast. I don't know why that's so hard. I think in my mind they'll think it's silly or frivolous, Plus, I mean, it means mentioning that I'm thinking in any way, shape, or form about dating and marriage and love. I do manage to bring it up when we're at a table with a bunch of others who already know about this project and nonchalantly suggest to my parents that they should record with me while we're on our upcoming family vacation. We take a lot of family vacations. It takes a few more casual mentions, but they do eventually agree. I, however, almost bail on the project multiple times before we record. I just, I keep wondering if it's all worth it. Am I just selfishly messing up their lives sooner rather than later? I try to come up with some other way, like any other way, that I can both find what I want and keep them pleasantly undisturbed. But I just keep coming back to this same set of two choices— I can either keep protecting them from me, or I can give them the opportunity to know me. When we do finally sit down together, I ease in and just start by asking them about how I was as a kid. 
I mean, I'm interested to know if I've always been this way or if I became this way somewhere along the way. Did I ever talk, like, when I was a little girl, was I like, hey, I'm going to go put on a white dress and pretend I'm getting married to the next-door neighbor kid? Or... No. You didn't, you didn't do that. You did not play with dolls. You had... I loved playing with Barbies as a kid and with my girl, little girlfriends. We would always do weddings and do... And I tried to get Barbies for you, and you had absolutely <laughs> no interest in the Barbies. None. Mm-hmm. I mean, not for dressing up, not for play weddings, not for play anything. But yeah, I'd say you were not a you were not like a macho tomboy type. Oh no. I mean, you weren't totally into sports or that much. So I mean, you weren't you, you weren't like a total tomboy type or something. You, you know. no, you were re- you loved reading even as I mean, and of course I love that you loved reading. You always had a mix of boys and girls, and that was never a problem for you. And and as your dad said, the one thing I will say definitively, you were never a flirtatious little girl. You never had to say to Kristen, "You're dressing too sexy when you right. go out." I think part of it, Kristen, was. You were you were practical. You were kind of serious. You're probably a lot like we were um, as kids. I mean, I really wasn't flirtatious. It was natural to me that you weren't like that. I never worried about. It. I thought this is the way I was, so I think this is the way you were. It doesn't bother me at all. But you went to the dances. We yeah. ne- that's the other thing. We well, never this- felt, oh, poor Kristen, she's staying home. Because you naturally had a group of friends or you went with, you always had somebody to go with. You did the dance thing. You did the, all of that yeah. naturally. And, I mean, here's a different thing. I mean, compared to some of the, like, conservative Christian families we know, I think particularly the moms, probably both the parents, are making it clear that finding a man and developing a family was the highest and best thing, mm-hmm. and that that's what your total focus should be, and everything else is incidental. Mom and I had both developed ourselves as very successful, you know, individuals, and it was sort of a miracle, as she says, that we were able to crash that together, and she made more of the sacrifices than I did, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a little different. So that wasn't, she never conveyed that to you, that that was your focus all the time. And I'll be honest, in retrospect, the fact that mom and I were sort of achievement-oriented and focused on you going to places like Rice and yeah. that, was that was that good parenting or not? Would it have been better for us to convey more strongly? Look, Family. we've done great things in our career and stuff, but... Really, what's more important is finding someone you really love and having a family, you know? So I do allow sometimes that we did you a little bit of a disservice, you know? I always thought you'd end up very successful. Um, Like mom and me, you'd find someone else who's very successful. And you'd both appreciate that you're successful, talented people and that you'd find that it would really make sense for the two of you to... Live life together and benefit from each other. Um, Yeah, we both thought it would be a practical decision. This feels like new territory. Yes, it does seem like I've always kind of been this way. That's good to know. But I also really hadn't focused on the fact that my family's culture didn't really instill marriage as a value. As we continue, my mom points out that without thought of marriage, I still naturally satisfied a desire for partnership in other ways. You give everything to a friend. 
everything. More than mom and I probably do in marriage, if we're actually honest about it, yeah, right? Yeah, probably. Oh, there's been a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, and you have these intense relationships with people. Yeah. And you want to be part of their life in every way, yeah. which is, um, I don't know what, is that trying to fulfill, are you lonely, or is, is that just how you have a relationship, or? No, I mean, it's, it's the million-dollar question, because, yeah, I have no romantic data to pull on from the past, but I have been for all intents and purposes in partnership right 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 no i would say that's true you know and absolutely true it's been it's been confusing and complicated to me because can can anyone tell you why they are just drawn to certain people and i mean the other thing i said i think there are and there are later in life platonic partnerships out there which not they're not asexual, you know, you know, but the friendship part is more dominant yeah. than the passion part sometimes. And yeah, some of those very work, common. Some of those work over time and yeah. make for a very nice life. We're right there now. I can feel that there's nothing more I can really say at this point. All that's left is to cross over that threshold to the other side of just plain acknowledgement of the thing that we've been dancing around. But still, I just cannot find the words. I just, I look at what's happened over the last 35 years and... What, babe? Go ahead, say it. (laughs) Do you know what I'm going to say? You think it might be a woman? Yeah. My parents have asked me not to use any of our recorded conversation from this point on, so I'm going to respect that. We spoke for maybe another half hour. There was, as expected, confusion about why I thought I was going to end up with a woman when I'd never slept with one. They both processed aloud the ways that this imagined future would complicate things. Their worries, their just general ick factor... Some of what they said was, yes, it was painful, but it was also like it was scripted, like I'd already guessed at the phrasing and already knew that they didn't really mean what they said in that moment, not in a lasting way at least, that it was just confused and surprised brains trying to shift paradigms in real time right in front of me. My guess is that they know this too, which is why they asked me to not use any of the recording the next day. They didn't want to be held to anything they'd said. And that's fine with me. And I don't hold them to anything specific they said that night because what's important is the overall message that did get through. That I wasn't being completely rejected. As irrational as that little part of me was that was terrified to say anything because the risk of being abandoned and left to the world on my own was too frightening. That didn't happen. These are still people who are in it with me, asking questions, trying to figure it out, no matter how uncomfortable that is. We're still family. I still have my tribe. And that's really all that matters. The rest of it, we can figure out.
there hasn't been some magic overnight change. I still have to be intentional about sharing my life with them. But it does feel like there's more freedom of range now. The field of what I can and what I'm considering sharing with them, it has widened. So that feels like relief. I've been thinking a lot about the question that we posited at the start of all of this. Can curiosity lead us to love, or does it only lead us astray? There's no doubt in my mind that if I hadn't spent the last 34 years so busily wondering what was possible, driven to understand why the world works the way it does, and just hungry to know why I am how I am and discover my place in things, I very well may have been happily partnered by now, content, with a very different life. And depending on your definition, my life might be much better for it. But I do think we've also seen here that curiosity has kind of a superpower. It's the enemy of fear. It's the antidote that can make us explorers in our own lives, enabling us to tackle fear of pain or change or disappointment and rejection the same way that it spurred frontiersmen into the unknown and they wondered what lay just beyond that next mountain pass. Curiosity is the fuel that allows us to entertain thoughts of the life that we're not yet living, the risks that we haven't yet taken. And no risk seems greater than human relationship. Curiosity, I think, it's our tool to wield, to our growth or our demise. That's up to the bearer. If love is the ability to see and be seen by another, if it's a heightened acceptance of each other as we are, if it's mutual agreement to collaborate in the building of the container that we call relationship in the interest of strengthening it, then I can definitively say that curiosity has led to more love in my life today than just even a few weeks ago. With each of these personal conversations, the relationships have been left with strengthened ties and the capacity for more, for more love. So, now that we're armed with expertise in science, permissions and affirmations, now that we've transmuted future fears into present manageable facts, how do we finally hone this superpower of curiosity and use it in the intentional pursuit of romantic love? Well, a very unexpected phone call is going to give us the opportunity to test that out. That's for us to explore next time on Curious Love. Next week is our last week together, which also means that the prequel to this series is just seven days from debuting. It's called The Overthinker's Guide to Love, a story of real-life experiments turned practical wisdom. If you're interested in knowing more of how we ended up in this endeavor together, you can pre-order the book at theovertherthinkersguide.com or directly through Amazon. Thanks as always to my guests. I'll see you back here next week for the next installment of Curious Love. <laughs>